We are Anthony and Danielle. We own a pet food store in Columbus, Ohio called Fangs and Fur that is focused on educating pet owners on feeding food nature intended for our pets. You can find us on Instagram at Fangs and Fur Pets or Facebook at Fangs and Fur. If you want to send in a question for Anthony to answer at the end of each episode, message us through our website at fangsfur.com. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and leave a review. This is the Fangs and Fur Podcast. Girls Gone Raw. It's still body parts, but not what you think. On today's episode, we have Warren Bex, founder and owner of Girls Gone Raw out of Medina, Ohio. We are so pumped for this interview. Instead of the customer question this week, we are going to celebrate three pet parents that recently transitioned their pets fully to raw. So be sure to hang on until the end of the episode for that. This is Dr. Jim Carlson. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly, professional team and offer conventional medicine, dentistry, and surgery as well as integrative options such as acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, and more. We emphasize fresh foods because you wouldn't want to eat processed food every day, right? Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, or Facebook, or give us a call at 614-888-2100. Well, welcome. Thanks for coming down. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Of course, you've, yeah. This is nothing new for you as far as coming down and well, you actually just dropped a bunch of stuff off at the shop. So oh yeah, it's a lots standard. of goodies. Regular Every two weeks Friday. is my fangs and fur field trip. So yeah. drop off as much as I humanly can. Bunch of dead stuff. All the parts. All the parts. <laughs> we got some really good parts this week I'm excited about. I do. Actually, yeah, I some we'll, new stuff. Yeah, we'll probably talk about it here in the podcast. Let's kick off with just like who you are. Like what, tell us about yourself, like your, you know, education, yeah. your background. Um, so I went to school, I went to Otterbein actually, which is why Columbus is considered home for me, even though I don't live down here anymore. Um, I went to Otterbein for pre-vet. It was actually equine pre-veterinary, which is funny because I don't even ride horses anymore, but equine pre-veterinary, minor in biology. While I was there, I kind of realized that I didn't think I was cut out for vet school. I'm not a very good student. I'll admit it. I hate studying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the brain to like sit in a sure. classroom and listen to old people talk to me. So, yeah. Um, I get that. I get that. But I like learning and but it needs to be engaging for me. It has to be something I'm excited about. So, what I ended up kind of doing was taking my degree, cutting out everything that was just prerequisites. So, all the physics and everything. Um, and I started taking all these classes that sounded really exciting. So, I took like comparative vertebrate, comparative vertebrate anatomy. Um, a couple nutrition classes, uh, you know, lots of vertebrate biology and, and all of those kind of exciting classes. I audited some, uh, zoology classes. I ended up actually throughout college doing two internships at Columbus Zoo. One was doing enrichment for like the apes, orangutans, things like that. Um, the second was working as a keeper in the, uh, North America section. I got to feed polar bears and wolverines, which was sweet. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. These wolverines are like Satan's cat. I don't know if you've ever seen them. This thing's like snarling, ripping a whole fish through this thing. I'm like, oh, sheesh. Um, (laughs) But I met Nora the polar bear. I don't know if at the time she was the celebrity. I met Colo the gorilla. We actually were able to do painting with her. Nora went. Nora went to Oregon, oh, I think, or something. Kidding. Yeah, but she was there for like a couple weeks, and then that was the year that they had like three polar bear babies. So um, I'm really, really uh, passionate about 
wildlife biology and I still I don't have time right now but whenever I can have time again I'm gonna keep volunteering at my local wildlife center but um, it's a uh, it's like a isn't it like a raptor center yeah it's yeah. for birds specifically lots of like owls and hawks and peregrine cool. falcons things like that I love it but also little birds yeah um, I like the raccoons and everything like that there just happens to be like one of the best specialized raptor hospitals 10 minutes from my house and I've known the people for my life you know my whole life I volunteered there in high school all the way through breaks in college so um hoping to eventually get to the point where I can afford to volunteer there again but right now I'm working 24 7. Um, anyway, so I, I took these exciting classes in college and it really kind of sparked my passion. I'm very much a person, person that needs to be doing something that feeds my passion. I can't just go to work, get a paycheck, go home. It's, I knew that about myself from the beginning. Um, and it took me a while to learn that. Yeah. I wish I would have learned it before. I'm not a patient person. So it's like, if it's not bringing me joy, bye, gone. It was like, eh, vet school? Yeah. Okay. Change my major. Bye. Yeah. Um, so that gets me in trouble too. Let's be very clear about that. But sure. I then started taking these classes where I was like, this is just crazy. And I remember it was in my nutrition class. I was working at a local um, kind of healthy pet store at the time. And I was taking my animal nutrition, which covered everything from dogs and cats to horses and cattle and chickens and everything like that. And, you know, most of the nutrition these days is for feed animals because that's all we care about is keeping our food fed. They don't really talk about dogs and cats all that much. But I remember we were talking to a chicken nutritionist, like an expert. She went to these big, massive poultry farms and was in charge of setting up um, uh, routines and nutrition panels for these feed birds. Um, and she was preaching on how important it is that chickens are having uh, animal product in uh, their yeah. food. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't know that chickens are omnivores. They're not herbivores. It drives me nuts because on all these good egg brands and stuff, they're like vegetarian-fed chickens. Well, yeah. Chickens aren't yeah. vegetarians. They're, they're vegetarians. omnivores. Give them a choice. Yeah. Yeah, so that drives me nuts a little bit. But um, I remember she was preaching on how important it is that chickens have meat in their diet and so she's like, and that's why we use beef byproduct to provide a meat source. And I, yeah. I raised same. my hand and I was like, um, well, wouldn't it just be better to feed them like an insect meal or something that's more biologically sure. appropriate? And she's like, well, it's just, I stumped her. Right. And I was like, I just, how hard is it to raise millions and millions of crickets? They're super high protein and fat. Right. For almost zero resources. I mean, they're making pet food out of bugs now. It's just kind of gross. But, um, and I stumped her, and my nutrition teacher came up to me afterwards, and she's like, "With questions like that, are you have you ever thought about getting into nutrition? Not many people think like that." And I was like, "Kind of have." And so I started looking into like, do I want to be a nutritionist? But I don't want to do math all day long, right? Um, and like I said, at the time I was working at a pet store. So I started kind of talking to these reps that were coming in and I was like, wow, these people are excited. They're passionate. And these were people like Northwest Naturals, um, Origin, um, the, the quote, quote, good brands. Um, and raw was, this was what, 2016 raw was just kind of poking its head out. Primal was really big. Um, and I was like, this could be really fun. I love talking to people. Um, and I am good at selling. It's, you know, I'm not doing it on purpose. I just love telling people what I'm excited about right. and spreading that news. And then then I kind of 
started looking into those types of jobs. So right out of college, I ended up getting a pet food sales rep job with uh, Champion, which is Origin, Origin in a Can, which is like the yeah. top high-end kibble brand at the time. Really exciting. It didn't end up working out. It was just too much travel, too much stress. And so I left that job and immediately was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with my life? Around that same time, all of my dogs had cancer. I have labs, tons of labs. They all had cancer, yeast, uh, arthritis. I mean, they were just like riddled with issues, lumps. And we were just told, you know, labs get yeast, labs get cancer. And you're labs probably get feeding arthritis. premium dry food. At the time, we were feeding Origin. Yeah, but I remember, you know, growing up, we had labs on Eukanuba because okay. that's what our vet told us to do, Eukanuba. Sure. And my first lab, uh, Penny, she, we had gotten her when I was three. She was my dog, you know. Um, she had died of cancer at like eight, maybe. Wow. Um, I remember they had a lump. They said, oh, it's just a fatty lump. You know, don't worry about it. It's just a fatty lump. They get it. And it was not. It was cancer. Mm -hmm. And it grew very, very quickly. And she died really quickly. And it was devastating. Right. That was my dog. I'm still like hurt by it. Um, so then I started to kind of piece together these things now that I had these tools in my brain. Right. And when then my yellow lab and my chocolate lab, who I still have, um, both had some kind of cancer. And like I said, they're miserable. I was like, all right, you know what? Why not? Let's just take the leap. Let's do it ourselves. So we started doing homemade raw. I was reading every single article, watching every single video. Um, kind of taking every single tool I had, talking to my vet for way too long, she probably should have charged me, to develop supplements for them that I was making at home. And she I, was able to? Yeah, she she gave me like the recipes for okay. uh, blended things. She was fantastic, wow. a kooky yeah. lady, but she set me up with the turmeric paste. Um, cool. That was a game changer. And so when I finally was like, People were asking me to start making this for them because they wanted turmeric paste, but they didn't want the mess. Um, and I was like, hmm, I could do this. And I could talk to people and I could right. get that, <clears throat> I could get that good news out there, I guess, because I was excited about it. I was seeing results instantly with our dogs, right? And I think we had been mixing in primal or something okay. for a little bit, yep. um, but not really full committing. And Switching to fresh, being able to talk to these butchers and these um, farmers and get the meats and everything, I decided to start Girls Gone Raw. Um, so people, you know, chuckle at the name. My mom likes to tell everyone that it's not porn. Um, <laughs> like, thanks, mom. I've slipped up in the shop so many times. I know. Who makes this stuff? Well, but Customers it's have girls, said that too. girls gone wild. I mean, girls gone wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't know. cheeky. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's, you like to, that. what do they say? Like, it's provocative. It gets the people yeah. going. That's Stop what they tell people. <laughs> um, so Girls Gone Raw, the girls are my one cat who had been malnourished and these two dogs, you know, in my long-winded story of how I got here, um, they are the girls that went raw. Yeah. And that journey is what then inspired my company. Um, so I ran the company for about a year, but I was not really doing it right. I kind of put it to sleep. Went off into the world for a little bit, came back in COVID. I had about two bucks in my pocket, had to move back with my parents. And I had a dehydrator and an anger at the pet food industry. And I said, shit, I'm doing it. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are. Um, Amazing. And then you guys came in. I, I think I started in the beginning of November. I started, you know, talking with you guys in December. And it's just been uphill from there. It was really good timing. I remember when you first came in, just being like, wow, this could be, this could be really cool. Yeah. And it started with just the jerkies and stuff. And then you're like, hey, but like, what about um, body parts? Yeah. And I was like, I could try. Um, 
So I was able to secure a meat dealer. I say my, my meat plug. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, hey, what do you got for beaver? And she's like, oh, I can get you some beaver. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like little yeah. backdoor. Wow. Just think of all the things we carry now. <laughs> would... I'll never forget it's when weird. Anthony came home and he was like, I met this girl today. She's... I could just, I have all the good vibes. Like she came in talking about turmeric paste and I think like big things are going to happen. I'm like, I think the turmeric was the first thing that was like right when you guys opened because Mm -hmm. I was making that kind of in my kitchen still for my Mm -hmm. pets. And I was like, all right, I could make a little bit of money. I think I'd been laid off. I was pregnant. Yeah. Um, So yeah, the turmeric is like my lifeblood. I was the first product I started with and it's one of my staples now. It is definitely something that needs a little bit of explanation, but it's something I wholeheartedly believe in because it's made life-changing, you know, difference in my dogs with arthritis, inflammation. I've had dogs weaned off of Apoquil with- Yeast too. I didn't know this, but it's antifungal. Antifungal, antibacterial. If you're having like a really bad infection, I've had vets actually tell you to like spread it on the skin. It stains horribly. wouldn't recommend, but you can do that. And it's it's really a superfood. And the cool thing about turmeric- um, actually kind of rewind in my nutrition class in college, we had to do a kind of senior capstone research project um, on something that we didn't have to get drug approval for. And so people are like trying to figure out, like, well, but that's like, you know, horse ibuprofen. And I was like, well, what about like herbal supplements? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. As long as we, you know, we don't have to get drug approval from the vet for it. Um, and so we did our senior research on turmeric with arthritis in horses and had amazing results. Yeah. Like these horses were weaned off of their anti, their anti-inflammatory chemicals in sure. a matter of what, four weeks. Um, so that was really it? cool. Um, this is really off topic, but I'm just curious how horses, you know, we had to like mix it with applesauce and syringe it okay. into their mouths. It was a disaster. <laughs> they didn't know. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Just imagine like yeah. turmeric and applesauce spraying yeah. backwards yeah. in your face three times a day. Yeah. It was um it was Thanks. not a good four weeks. But <laughs> the research worked. We didn't have a big enough sample size. They actually asked if I wanted to kind of go and present it at a conference, but I didn't. Yeah. Wish I had though, because it was really cool. And there's not much research with pets and animals in general. But the cool thing about turmeric now and why I think it's sticking is that it's one of the most heavily researched and proven herbal superfoods and herbal supplements. I mean, you have very, very Western doctors recommending it to people for arthritis. Sure. Um, and it's to, found in a lot of products. Like it, yeah. You see well, that everywhere. I mean, turmeric, you're going to see cur- curcumin. Yeah, yeah, curcumin is that like that isolated active ingredient in the turmeric. So. Right. Um, yeah, a lot of joint in well, a lot of joint supplements. Even in the shop, we have it's it's in everything. I've seen that like for psoriasis. So um, for listeners that may not know, like that comes. Um, do you want to explain like how much you would need? And yeah. Kind of so um, how you would include that into the turmeric is this bright orange paste that I make, um, and I also have the golden milk, which is I'll kind of touch on that. But that's a goat milk base. The turmeric uh, paste is a coconut oil base. And that's um, just turmeric, uh, fresh cracked black pepper, and coconut oil. So you scoop out just the tiniest, like a teaspoon for, I think I do a teaspoon for my 50-pound dog. And she has active arthritis, so I updose, right? Um, and you just kind of mix it in. It is a little bit pungent, so not a lot of dogs like it. That's why I end up making the, the goat milk version. Um, 
and which is really popular. Yeah. I sell I, significantly more of that than I do the turmeric paste now because I also put the raw honey, the ginger, and the cinnamon in there. So yeah. it really is like covers a lot of things. Yeah. But with the turmeric paste, it's it's really bare bones. It's nice. You do a very small amount. There's not a lot going on. I like to keep it simple where possible. But the turmeric is a potent anti-inflammatory. It's a antibiotic, anti you know, antifungal, um, super antioxidant, just overall like a really um cool supplement turmeric is a root in the ginger family if anybody didn't know that but um and then the goat milk i do a raw pastured goat milk base literally just somebody down the street uh raw local honey which is great for inflammation and allergies ginger and cinnamon also good for inflammation and allergies and then uh, i always get confused when you say pastured not pasteurized pastured i just it's easier than saying pasture raised raised yeah yeah but the good stuff yeah the good stuff it's it's creamy and delicious. I've had dogs that are just picky, picky, picky that go nuts on it. And it's still very dense. You know, I put a lot of turmeric in there. It looks like it. Yeah. I think okay. I put, yeah, like four cups of turmeric per gallon of milk. Yeah. Or something I've used like it on that. our dogs and they didn't seem to care at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know cool it, it, it sold a lot faster than the pace. I think just because of palatability. Yeah. It's also, I, and honestly, I use the golden milk now. I, I don't use turmeric paste. Ask that. Not that it's recommended, but yeah, <laughs> I do you use. I use the golden so. milk, and I use my kefir, which I'm about to release. I use those both. Um, my cats don't do with the golden milk, but they love the kefir. Um, the golden milk is just easier to use. You can pour it right on. I'm usually running around. I have a kid trying to help me feed the dog. You know what I mean? It's just easier than trying to scoop in. Um, but I love that. that's. I was, we talked about that in our last podcast. What, kids touching raw meat? Yeah. Gasp. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, we've had this question a lot in the shop. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, we, we've talked about this. 98% of the recalls come from kibble for salmonella, E. coli, mm-hmm. listeria. And here we're worried about raw food. I mean, of course, you want to wash your hands, but you'd want to do the same if you're feeding yeah. kibble. I don't want and to And I feed topic, Steve's. But. We refrigerate yeah. a thaw. Yeah. That's Wilder's task for the day of a two-year-old. Um, that's his task for the day is he loves, he goes get the dog bowl, puts it on the counter, yeah. he likes to pour it. He cracks the egg in there. Um, he's, he's kind of at that age where he likes tasks. Yeah. So that's his me, thing. me, me. I do. I do. He okay. lives yeah. for his dog. God knows. Yeah. I made sure that that happened. Yeah. Good. That's <laughs> awesome. So you started with the turmeric and then walk us through kind of like your process now with all the body parts. Yeah. So I actually started Girls Gone Raw with the intention of doing supplements, nutrition counseling, and eventually kind of rolling into raw foods because there wasn't that many. You you know, nowadays you throw a stone, you can find an awesome raw food brand. They'll ship it to you. Um, There's co-ops. But back in, you know, 2017, it was like you're finding Primal and some of those that were everywhere. But that's about it. Um, and that didn't really turn out. I'm I'm a big imposter syndrome kind of gal, so I was like, "This is I'm going to do something wrong, and I'm going to make some dogs sick." So that was just a little bit too much pressure for me. I ended up kind of transitioning to the jerkies because um, those are easy. And then when I would get the customers in, then I could have that conversation about raw foods. And I had immense industry knowledge into every brand out there, so then I could kind of tell people, "Well, you should look into Steve's Real Food. That's a really great option." Um, and then you can add the turmeric paste to it. You know. And that's really the biggest part of it and why I love doing markets and everything is because I can talk to people. Yes, I sell things. Yes, I make money off of it. But the biggest thing for me is able to get somebody in. They think they're just buying jerky. They leave with a complete different take on life and their pet's health. You know what I mean? It's like a mind. It's it's just a a switch of a mindset. I think we we have this conversation a lot in the shop, but it's just we – 
Well, it's the yeah. light bulb that once, goes like, off. Once someone says, wait, I can, like, we it's, get this asked all the time. I can feed this duck foot to my dog. I'm like, oh, yeah. Dude, you're feeding, <laughs> you're feeding greenies to your dog. Do you know what's in Yeah. Greenies? Oh, God. You know it's I mean? like um, so, gum. Or a milk bone. Like, believe me, this Oof. is actually providing really good stimulation and nutrition, you know, just the duck yeah. foot alone, you know. Um, yeah. The, the, the body parts get people. So I think I sell about half of what I do on, like, shock factor alone, the, the yeah. beaver feet and stuff. And it started with just, like, duck feet and kind of the – I call them, like, the PG-13. And then, like, she was like, hey – how about whole quail? And I was like, can I dry a whole quail? Yeah. Yeah, I can dry a whole quail. Those are, they're beautiful. They I are. I love those things. They're, they're actually cute. really popular. Yeah. I have a couple cat owners that love them. Well, and it's hard with dehydration because you have to be careful with the size, right? Um, for those that don't know, like with bones and drying, um, the dehydration process isn't cooking, but it's not raw, right? So there's heat applied. But it's a very low temperature. It's just that kind of killing temperature is what they call it, where you're killing the bacteria but not changing the structure of the nutrients. And the big thing is the collagen in those bones. A lot of people freak out. They'll be like, I'm so confused. I've been told my whole life that you can't feed cooked bones. And I said, well, first of all, don't feed cooked bones. You're right. Second of all, these aren't cooked. Um, I do about 160 to 165 degrees. And that kills those bacteria, but it keeps the collagen in the bones intact. And it actually kind of makes them nice, dry, and crumbly. So when your dog chews a dehydrated duck foot, those bones are just going to crush. And it's going to scrub the teeth in the process. Um, Versus if you do a fried chicken wing or something like that, that's a very high temperature. It hardens the collagen. So when those bones are cracked, they don't bend anymore. They splinter. Yep. So that's the big difference with that. Um, and then the low temperature dehydration saves a lot of the nutrition too. And I started getting more into it. And I was like, I love the idea of a whole prey meal. Um, I like to call myself like a PG raw feeder because it's like, I couldn't get my dog a whole rabbit. I don't even know that my dog would know what to do with it. Um, I was a vegetarian for a very long time and it makes me real sad. Um, but also I want my dog to have the absolute best nutrition and a whole prey meal is a balanced meal. Right, it has the organ, it has the fur, it has the fats from the brain and the eyes and the. I tell people all the time, it's like the the quails. Yeah. Like you, that's like a meal. That's a meal replacement. It is. And they're like, really, I'm like, well, the, plus this lots is, of water, but. Well, yeah, yeah. A lot, added the moisture back in, but I mean, they're not getting that with kibble. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, and I'm like, this is what a lot of these foods, like you know, like the science diet. Mm-hmm. You know, they they kind of tout that they, they what they did is they dissected a mouse and then developed a diet that was, you know. Yeah, all, all pet food is similar to a mouse, somehow which is, it's not, based off of but, a whole prey yeah. balance. So why would you feed something that's simulated to look like that when it could just be that? It could just be that, yeah. Um, and the to be thing, clear, though, though, Hill's science diet is not anywhere close to like a whole yeah, prey. Yeah, minus like 80% <laughs> of the moisture yeah, and you know, it's all It's mostly carbohydrates and it's <laughs> chemicals. synthetic amino acids and in vitamins yeah and well, whatever so don't even get me started on that yeah. but <laughs> you'll have to tell lauren after the podcast about your um feeding mozzie the entire rabbit in our backyard recently i think we talked about this did it look like a murder scene <laughs> yeah He's... our son got really excited <laughs> yeah i cut the head off and this is so bad <laughs> I, I went uh, I, well, okay i, I am explain. not that kind of rock I should explain. That's I, was, I, I was quartering it because i w- didn't want to feed the whole rabbit in yeah. one day you know i was going to spread it out and um, so I did kind of sever the head, and um, 
uh, my kids were in the living room and I was like, kind of peeked around the corner <laughs> and said, hey, guys, look at this. And Hudson's eyes got like so big <laughs> oh and like a God. smile on his face and started running at me like he wanted to hold that thing. Well, I, enjoy um, too. Yeah, I don't well, know what that are, means like, about him, but <laughs> we'll find out <laughs> years to come. Might be raw feet or might be, be a sociopath. Yeah, hard to we tell. don't know. Um, well, that's TV. kind of that's a good point because, like, I mean, if you look up raw feeding, if you're a kibble feeder and and you're trying to start looking into it, and you Google raw feeding or you go on Instagram, God knows there's raw feeders everywhere. You're going to see these bowls full of body parts and chunks, and it's intimidating. Mm-hmm. People are using like 15 different vegetables and like 18 different supplements. Do you know how I raw feed? I slap my Steve's patty in there. I would love to be able to do that. Let's be very clear. Yeah, Steve's patty. Uh, a backyard, you know, raised chicken egg, uh, whole thing, crack it in there. Some uh, green lip muscle powder for her joints and her coat and everything. We get really dry in the winter. And then whatever supplements I have, you know, I'm like, oh, let's yeah, do and that's some just, turmeric paste today. And that's yeah. just because you and I are like, this is this is how we are. So we add a bunch of stuff to it. But honestly, you could just throw the patty in there and that's complete and balanced. It is. I mean, com- I don't like to rely on anything that's com- complete right. and balanced. I, I and there's always things you but... can supplement. But yeah, there's days where I s- slap a patty in a bowl and run out the door. Yeah. And like, that's fine. It doesn't need to be so complicated. And, and yeah. a lot of people get intimidated by that. So the biggest thing with Girls Gone Raw and like my Instagram platform is I like to try to make it less intimidating. I like to make it more absorbable. Um, and I think sometimes if you say like, Hey, you should buy raw chicken feet. People are like, Ooh, I don't know. Right. It's kind of scary. It's yeah. kind of gross, but somehow a dehydrated chicken foot is a little bit less intimidating. Um, and it starts a conversation with the dehydrated stuff. People are like, okay, so I can just feed this whole thing to my dog. I'm like, yeah, they'll love it. It makes me feel good too. When people like new people come in and they're not raw feeding yet. Um, they're feeding dry food and they, their dog is only getting dry food, but it makes me feel better that they're now leaving with some kind of real food. You know, well, I mean? and even in, have you read the forever dog book yet by Rodney Hibbib and Karen Becker? I just finished my certification. Like, I literally just finished <laughs> I mean, it. I have so I haven't a laundry list of things yeah, I need to read. I'm, also. I'm reading. I wanted to read feeding dogs. So that's what I'm on mm. right now. So there's a million books out there. Yeah. Look into them, read yeah. them when you have time, get the audio book. But I just cracked into forever dog book. I think I'm only like, Two or three chapters in, but like in the very first, the introduction, they say. <laughs> Weren't you reading that on vacation? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> well, vacation. <laughs> I, you know, margaritas and books and ADHD <laughs> don't, don't brain mix. just don't, you know. <laughs> but I got, I got pretty far on it. Um, what in like the introduction they say like if the only fresh food that you're substituting is changing your treats into a fresh food, whether it's blueberries, whether it's duck feet, right? Right. That can be that 10% that you switch your dog, okay? And then maybe that'll open the door. And then you'll be like, they really like this. All right, well, you know, we've tried chicken feet. Let's try goat milk um, and things like that, although I think it should be the opposite. But the the word raw scares people. Yeah. And so sure. I like to say fresh foods. Um, and it's it's just a way to kind of open the door. It's a way I think it's a little bit more accessible. It's a little bit less scary for people. And it has tons of nutrition, too. So especially like the rabbit feet, anything that's furry, that's not something that our dogs get very often. It's multifaceted and why it's important for them, the enrichment, the nutrition. Um, and, yeah, it's now I'm that weird chick that dries body parts <laughs> in her garage. Like, yeah, did I think I'd become the body part lady? No, here I am, though. And I'm the guy that. And I love it. Sells them. <laughs> He's my 
body part distributing, dealer. Distributing yeah, yeah, animal yeah. parts around Columbus. <laughs> um, yeah, there's um, a lot of good points there. I, I just like that, you know, we've we've never sold any like dental shoes. Yeah. We've always sold like real food because I'm a huge believer that, you know, raw meaty bones, these these dehydrated shoes are really what, I mean, I've, the anecdotal evidence is, is so clear. When you have a dog that has mm-hmm. never had these kind of foods before and they've they've only eaten raw food or, or dehydrated yeah. chews, like you see it, you're like, wow, you see these other dogs. But, you know, I just wanted to make a point like with, with greenies and, and these other things. Because this is, this is whimsies. These are, these are companies that people like, I get this question asked a lot, like, where, where are they in their store? Do I sell them or why don't I sell them? You know, I sell your things, which I really believe in. And I, I know they do a lot better mm-hmm. job actually cleaning teeth. They do. You know, all the tendons, all the fiber, the connective tissue in there is so much more abrasive and scrubby. The, the spongy bones. Yeah, yeah the, those tendons and stuff, as gross it is to think about that, but those tendons are what really gets in between. They have to yep. really work on them and chew, and it literally is flossing their teeth. And on the other hand, you know, when you feed your dog a greenie, it's like people continuously feed their dogs greenies. And I usually just hear they do it because they like it. Um, But it doesn't actually do it. So if you look at greenies, like the first ingredient is actually wheat flour. Yeah. And whimsies is potato starch. Has your dentist ever told you to chew on wheat flour to clean your teeth? Like it makes zero. And and especially for a dog, it's like even more detrimental than it is for us. Um, And then they have glycerin, wheat gluten. Um, powdered cellulose, which, you know, powdered cellulose is actually salt. I mean, it's salt. It's like they, they. So, yeah, it's just plant fiber. Yeah. I have a definition here. Powdered cellulose is made by cooking raw plant fiber, usually wood and various chemicals. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's. (laughs) No vet will ever tell you that letting your dog eat wood is a good thing, but vets will tell you to feed greenies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just kind of want to touch because they're, they're infuriating to me because they're just so deceptive. People buy greenies thinking they're doing an awesome thing for their dog. They're taking care of their teeth. That's good. You should care about that. You feel good about it because it's shaped like a toothbrush. Yeah. You feel good about whimsies because they're shaped like hedgehogs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Your dog doesn't care what shape it is. The the toothbrush shape does not make it any better for your dog's teeth. Look at the ingredients. Yeah. And there's like 15,000 ingredients in there. I have a whole, I have the whole thing right in front of me. It's a what whole it, What exactly is, about, is that? Is about good for your dog's teeth? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, um, just because I, it's chewy? Is gum good for your teeth? I don't know. I do it if I have bad breath, but I'm not necessarily sitting there thinking it's scrubbing my teeth. I should you not. Greenies had posted, um, they have an advertisement on Instagram right now that says, that you don't need to, I can't, I can't, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially that you, brushing is really difficult and you don't need to do it. Just give them a greenie instead. Can you believe that? I'm like, oh my gosh. So yeah. now you're taking it even, These you're are the really digging keep me your up boots at night. And yeah. you know what? How many, ad, how many people has that ad made its way to? And those people are like, oh, I'm right. going to stop brushing yeah. my dog's teeth and just feed them greenies all right. the time. And that is not that pet parent's fault. That is the industry's fault right. for feeding them that crap. Right. And that it's allowed. But I mean, the facts are, you know, 80% of the dogs in the U.S. have periodontals before yeah. they're two years old. So that tells you that the food's not working and these greenies sure as hell aren't working. Either. Yeah, well, you know, even my, what, 13, 12 and a half year old lab, we were feeding her kibble for most of her life. It was the good kibble, right? But she now has tartar that we're still trying to correct. Yeah. Um, A lot of people are like, oh, oh my gosh, you're going to 
you're going to hate me for saying this, but like I fed kibble for years. You're like, oh, I gave my dog a cupcake. I'm like, that's okay. My dog gets cupcakes. Yeah. I fed kibble for most of our lives. You know, not that I had much say over it. I was younger, but you know, it's the fact that you're doing it now. You can reverse this mm-hmm. by starting to switch out those greenies for raw chicken necks and things like that. It's reversible. It might take a little bit of work and consistency. Yeah. And if it's really bad, teeth might need to be pulled. Unfortunately, we had to yeah. do that with Foxy. I mean, what, it was 2018 teeth? 18 you can't unrot a tooth. You can't yeah. unrot a tooth. Um, but then you look at it, it's it's when you see it like I do, just night and day. Like she was eating literally kibbles and bits for six or seven years. And then Mozzie's been eating raw food since he was a puppy. He's going on 11 this year. Never had a dental cleaning in his life. And his, his teeth are damn near perfect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He gets a lot of your stuff. He obviously gets raw food. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And to me, it's like. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You know? There's there's just so much about it that I wish I would have known so so long ago. And it's hard to not get a you know stuck in that kind of regret with it and just focus on doing the best you can now. Yeah. Um, there's a quote also from Forever Dog Book that I really like. I put it on my page and I tell people it all the time. When a pet owner knows better, they can only do better. Now, given there's people that know better and still feed old Roy, um, that's a class of its own. But when you know better, who out there doesn't want better for their pets? Who out there doesn't want their dogs to live longer and be healthier and have the, the best life, right? We were born into dog food. Like, no one ever, we didn't, we, our generation or even generations before us never questioned, hey, mm-hmm. actually, what are, what are our dogs supposed to be eating? You know, yeah. We don't question it because it, we just assume it comes from a bag. It's so deeply ingrained into society. Yeah. I was watching Cocomelon this morning, and JJ was feeding the dog kibble, and I was like, "This is oh, why it's so like hard." Yeah. My kid is growing up seeing yeah. kibble, you know, and it's going to be something that we're going to have to work out, especially with the whole veterinary industry. And there's so much money in kibble. There's so many people getting so rich from it's the not, kibble industry. It's not getting better, unfortunately. Um, the the best we can do, you know, is to to kind of educate with things like this, and at least people know better, and at least they're supplementing in. It is hard. It's 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 more of an upfront cost. It's re- refrigerator space. It's a little bit less convenient until you get into the routine of it. Like for me, it's super easy. Right. Feed a patty, you thaw a patty, whatever. Right. Um, but it, it is. It's so ingrained, and it's also so ingrained. Like for my things, whoa, chicken feet. You can't feed bones. Yeah. Actually, you can. Yeah, actually, it's a very important part of their diet. Um, and I make sure, yeah, you don't just say, yeah, you can feed this. Educate with it. Because then those sure. people are then going to go tell their friends, like, oh, well, it's okay. Don't feed cooked, but you can feed these dehydrated ones. They're fine. Um, but then I also have the jerkies and stuff to get people kind of started. At least it's single ingredient. At least it's minimally processed. It's human grade. Um, because do you remember the big chicken jerky recall of like i want to say like 2007 um well there is one in about 2011 because that's mozzie was sent to the hospital i mean he right. had he was he was vomiting uh pellets i remember it was like clear pellets oh yeah and i was like what the hell is he like we lived in like a 400 square foot apartment like downtown seattle like what did i know he's not he eating anything in here. and the only thing he wasn't eating his kibble at the time he's probably he's having issues with kibble um that's why we got turned on to raw but yeah, he threw it up and had he was in the hospital overnight, hooked up on a uh, IV. Well, and it killed dehydrated, almost tons killed. and tons and yeah. tons of dogs, and even more. It took him a year, maybe a year or two years to get off. Finally, like actually get it off, take it off the shelves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Well, because there's so many of them and they were like, couldn't ever figure yeah. it out. But anyway, so all these chicken jerkies, right? I'm going to say it with air quotes, chicken jerky, natural. Mm-hmm. 100% natural, all chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you look at them and they're like this little pressed chicken yeah. cutlet, like a chicken nugget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A chicken nugget is, you know, has real chicken in it. Doesn't mean that it's good. You don't know where the chicken's coming from. You don't know the quality of it. Most of the meat that our pets are getting is that like 3D non-human grade meat, right? And they couldn't figure out why this was killing so many dogs, right? And they kind of traced it back to, like, all of this chicken was coming out of China, I think. Mm. And they were finding, uh, like, a chemical called melamine in it. It's a plastic resin, for those who know. Yeah, and it it was just real sketchy, and it killed a lot of dogs. So, um, for me, I have a lot of confidence in selling the chicken jerky, because it's a staple. Every single animal that I've given it to loves it, right? Yep. My cats go crazy for it. It's soft, it's crispy, and it's a really nice just everyday product. It's crazy how dogs and cats, they like like the simplest things is what they really like. And it's like the stuff that's really good for them. It's like they like just know like internally yeah. they just know. And if you look at like these greenies, or you look at like milk bones, there's like 50 60 ingredients in these things some of them which aren't even listed and it's like you could all you have to do is feed your dog one ingredient and it's going to provide a lot more nutrition and it's not going to kill them it drives me nuts to like it more actually i remember when i was working at that pet store i was just trying to find a simple treat all i wanted was like a simple treat i didn't want a million ingredients and even the healthy ones just had a whole laundry list of ingredients and i was like what why do we need glycerin why do yeah. we need caramel coloring why do yeah. we need smoke flavor my dog doesn't give a shit if it right. tastes like smoke yeah and so that's why i think it was even in college when i had started just making small batches of meat and stuff because i had this malnourished kitten um that i had like bottle raised and i just wanted healthy stuff for her we are so proud of our sponsor today our friends at steve's real food who helped make the fangs and fur podcast come true Steve's makes real food from locally sourced ingredients that enable you to give your dog or cat nutritional meals every single day with no fillers or preservatives. Anthony, what do you like best about Steve's? Well, a lot of things, really. For one, their long history. They've been doing it longer than most. But more importantly, their whole food ingredients. They don't use any synthetics, and it's real simple. What do you mean simple? Well, when people look on the back of the bag of kibble, they see a long list of ingredients that most people don't even know what they are. You'd almost have to be a chemist to know. When they come into Fangs and Fur, I'll always pull out a box of Steve's Real Food and I'll show them what's in their food. And what you see is beef, beef heart, beef liver, beef kidney, raw goat's milk, broccoli, real food. And Mozzie likes it too, so I'm a big fan of Steve's. I know Anthony and I love their mission statement to produce food that is good for your pet and the land they walk on. So come into our shop to learn more about Steve's from Anthony or visit stevesrealfood.com. And it's, it's just outrageous, the things that they put into pet food. If it's colored, it is meant to deceive you. And, you know, they are selling you that because they think you're stupid. Honestly, right. that's that's my take on colored pet food, colored treats. Mm-hmm. Your dog can hardly tell the colors apart, first of all. Yeah. Yeah. It's not orange because it has carrots in it. It's right. orange because they colored it orange colored so it, that yeah. you would think it's carrots right. and feel good about it. You know what I mean? And that's just something that drives me nuts. Like Dogs have very different taste receptors than we do, too. Like they've done lots of studies on this. Like it's not, you know, they have very uh, savory taste receptors. Mm-hmm. They don't really taste a lot of sweet. Cats definitely don't. Cats don't taste any sweet. Yeah. So a lot of these things targeted towards cats just drive me nuts because I'm like, or you could just feed your cat a piece of chicken. Yeah. And they would actually know what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. Cats are tough. So that's are that's tough. a whole 
I have six cats. They're tough. <laughs> I, I can't even get most of them off of like the kibble mixture that we do. They just have a hard time yeah, with it. Addicted. But... Carb junkies. Yeah. Let's kind of roll into um, raw meaty bones. Yeah. And and also uh, recreational bones. Kinda, yeah. I kind of want to talk a little bit about that because you do. Obviously, we just got these knuckle bones in. I'm super excited about. Um, and those are an everyday in my house now. Yeah, they're kind of all the rage right now too. Mm-hmm. Well, because Karen Becker, Dr. Becker, and Rodney Habib did presented a study on those. And well, it's did funny because I I didn't even see that. I was just kind of like knuckle bones. Yeah, cool. I actually heard about <laughs> it on a, a podcast that I listened to like a couple years ago, and it was a lady that had raised um, I think King Corso puppies. Mm-hmm. She raised them on on raw food, but that was like her like pacifiers for all the puppies were mm-hmm. these big knuckle bones. Well, and I'd always done marrow bones, but my lab has a tendency to chew way too hard and crack Mm -hmm. her teeth. And so we kind of have to be careful, give them and take them. I always wish there was more meat on them. So I got these knuckle bones and I started, you know, I'll be going through duck duck wings and chucker one that maybe was just like the drum part of it. Um, And we'd never quite gotten to these big meaty things. I got these knuckle bones and I'm like, oh my God, what is this? I don't even know what's in here. I'm like, I know anatomy enough to know what kind of bone it is and stuff, but there's tendons hanging off. There's giant chunks of fat and meat. And I gave it to my dog and I think she just about blacked out. (laughs) I didn't hear from her for like five hours. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And they just last forever. They last forever. And I mean, I usually let Mozzie chew on it for like 30 minutes and I'll put it back in the freezer and we'll probably do that like five or six times until I'm like, yeah. oh, I should probably throw this thing away now. Well, and that's the thing. I, I guess I've been kind of blessed with that. I have a self-regulating dog. So a lot of people are like, oh, like how long should I feed this before I take it away? And I'm like, let your dog kind of tell you, you know, yeah. they say within 10 minutes of chewing that is 10 minutes is enough to stimulate those endorphins. It'll yep. give your dog the physical exercise, the mental exercise cleans their teeth. And so if you want to do short batches like that, that's fine, especially with like the bigger bones that they can actually get pieces off of, yeah. turkey wings and stuff like that if you're going that route. Um but you know, know your dog, really. Exactly. Um know your dog, are they really hard chewers? Are they light chewers? Do they moderate themselves? Are they careful? You know, there's a lot of different chewing styles. And I think a lot of people because of COVID we're working from home and they had dogs that were misbehaving. And so mm. they would come into shop and be like, I need something that's going to like entertain my dog for eight hours. I'm like, there's yeah. no such thing. Like, especially not <laughs> in the dehydrated world because anything no. that's going to last long, is going to be giant. And then I'm not going to dry it because yeah. it could still break. Sure. Um, I mean, the raw meaty the, or the, um, the knuckle bones could do that possibly. I don't know if, I mean, I mean, it probably could do it, well, but it's but not see, natural. And I wouldn't recommend doing that. I mean, that's why I like to do, 30 minutes, I guess Mozzie's been out there with that bone for like an hour maybe, but then I'll take it away. Yeah, I've been giving them, and I actually got these kind of, I don't even know what the heck part of the bone it is. It's just like a big, um, I think it's part of the elbow um, that a flexor tendon was attached to. And I've been giving them to Briggs, who is a heavy chewer. And like that dog has to have something in his mouth Mm 24-7. So I've been giving them to him and he scrapes off. They crush really nicely. I haven't had any big chunks come off. Even though it's that big weight-bearing bone, he's able to really scrape nice chunks off of it. And that's where you get that spongy bone, all of that good marrow, and, like, it's just scrubbing, scraping. It's that good abrasive. Yeah, those kind of bones, they actually – they did a a peer-reviewed study that found that uh, these kind of bones are extremely effective in removing tartar buildup by 90%. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Because that's, yeah, that's basically that nature's toothbrush right there. That's why necks are great because those vertebrae are just complete sponge in the middle. Um, And so as they're crunching through all of those tons and tons of tendons in the neck, um, same with feet. You get those little bones that are just to that spongy bone in the middle with a, like a thin layer of that hard bone on the outside. They crunch into that and it's just scrubbing all sides of the tooth, fl- you know, flossing in between. And that's why they say like that's nature's toothbrush because yeah. you're getting all those different aspects plus the enzymes on, on those raw meats. I love, so we do, so Mozzie, Mozzie gets a lot of, obviously he gets a lot of the raw chicken feet, the raw duck feet. Necks are huge. I mean, he probably gets three of those a week at least. Mm-hmm. But the knuckle bones are all new to us. We haven't, I mean, we've never really had any, like, I don't know where you even get those uh, except from you. I am, yeah. You know what I mean? I guess maybe I know some butchers you will You really have, them have to go while, but, to processors yeah. because we had to beg the processor to cut them off. I mean, it's a huge chunk of bone mm-hmm. and it's not something that they're going to normally. Usually just like take the good stuff off, throw the rest of the leg away. Yeah. Um, and so we had to beg them to save them for us and we're, you know, paying enough to make it worth their time Yeah. Um, because they're just so awesome and they're so unique. It has so many different little crevices. It has, like I said, tons of tendons and those tendons are really gummy and chewy. Well, that's why it's so, that's why I like, like, I don't actually give Mozzie very many marrow bones. Like as far as um, he used to, when he was a puppy, I mean, I call him like the, like a pacifier for puppies, mm-hmm. but when they're older, I just worry about, I've seen a lot of dogs break teeth on them, just like deer yeah. antlers. Um, I've seen dogs also kind of scrape their front teeth if they're going out too hard with yeah. their front teeth. And so, but these, I mean, I've I've watched Mozzie. I have videos, like 10-minute videos of Mozzie chewing on these bones, on the on the knuckle bones, because he uses like his his carnosules and like his incisors and like everything. He's his, his all yeah. his molars, like he's using all his teeth and he's got to put his head at different angles. And you can actually see those. Um, those carnosules like doing their scissor action mm-hmm. like it's just like crazy how stimulating it must be but also it's a good like, way to remind yourself like, that those teeth are not meant for grains <laughs> yeah yeah they're not doing There's no flat, all that uh, much on grass no flat molars back there bears interestingly enough have flat molars because hmm. bears are omnivores well yeah dogs are technically Oh God! It's they're a whole, it's they're a whole opportunistic carnivores mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a whole different one but yeah um if you look at the dentition of, and again, I studied horses, mm-hmm. right? Horses are designed to eat grain, plants. That's about it. Um, there is not a single sharp tooth in there. Um, they have giant, flat, grooved molars that grind and grind and go in rotation. Dogs have no jaw. rotation. They have no flat surfaces. And they have a very, 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 very short gut. Mm-hmm. Grains and plants need to be fermented in the gut to extract that nutrition out. It's hard to digest. And so horses have this huge, long digestive tract. And same with any kind of ruminant, any kind of herbivore. Some of them have multiple stomach chambers and yeah, and then, ability to, to throw it back up and chew it. Chew their, yeah, that's that rumination yeah, process because yeah. it's ferment, chew, ferment, chew, ferment, yeah. chew. And then horses have what they call like a hind gut fermentation. I want to say it's in the cecum, you know, like really mm-hmm. lower intestine. And it just sits there for a while. And kind of mulls around, pulls every last little bit out of it. Dogs have none of that. It's pretty much in and out, which benefits them in the case of if there is pathogenic bacteria, if there is anything that they don't like. That's why dogs are like kind of, you know, they poop really soon after eating because it's pretty much in and out, especially with kibble. It's it's five hours, five to six hours, I think, is the total time it takes. Humans, I think, is like 12 to 16 don't yeah, it has on that, but, less yeah. work to do because they're designed to have a more yeah. rich diet. Well, I always tell people, like, if you give your dog a carrot, like, give your dog a raw carrot, 
It's going to come out of raw carrot. It comes out of raw carrot because yeah. it cannot break down cellulose. This this nutrition course is really, it's like been trying to tell me that dogs are, uh, it's like a scale. Mm. You know what I mean? And that it's an omnivore scale. Just so because it, it can sense. eat plants doesn't mean that it should. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's, there is, I think I am a believer that there is a place for some Oh, absolutely. Plants in the diet, like 100%. I think there's, you know, um, well, I guess phytoplankton isn't a plant. It's a single cell organism, but we do a lot of phytoplankton. Um, we do a lot of blueberries. I have to either cut or bite into the blueberry to give yeah. it to Mozzie, who won't eat it. Um, um, yeah, I just kind of mash like them in the bowl. But yeah, yeah. I mean, even, you know, <laughs> Wilder didn't way. finish his strawberries for breakfast. I threw yeah. them into the dog's bowl. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer in that. But it never really makes up more than a small portion of her meal. Um, And she's pretty sensitive to yeast, so I try to keep it low. And if it is, you know, it's going to be that lower sugar fruits and veggies. But I'm a firm believer in adding produce in moderation. You need Mm -hmm. to keep it within that, like, 10% ratio. Um, And keep in mind that most of your base mix foods, raw foods, are going to have plant in them unless you're doing one that's just that PMR, prey model. Um, style like Vital Essentials and some of those. Most of them are at least going to have Even a Steve's green. actually has a prey model. Do they? They do. Mm. I've ordered it every now and then if I can't, if, they, if their barf model is is out of stock. But I didn't know that. Good do, to know. do you want to talk about vegan diets? No, I'm just I kidding. Don't. <laughs> you want to see me have a stroke over here. Uh, right. I just had to read a 66-page book on it. So I'm going to bring that up later. I saw an ad yesterday saying, our dogs are obese because of all this meat that we're giving them. And yeah. I was like, no. No. I had to stop my inner keyboard warrior, but, um, you know, again, I was a vegetarian for a very long time. I have a lot of people that feed my treats and my, you know, supplements religiously that are hardcore vegans, lifetime vegans. We do too. We have a lot of, a lot of my customer base are vegan or vegetarians. Because you're a vegan or vegetarian because you want the best for the animals and you want to do no harm for Mm -hmm. the animals. And so the best thing for that is to give them the absolute best nutrition, the optimal nutrition for them. And sometimes it's hard because yeah, you are contributing to lives. Um, Sure. But you don't judge a lion for eating a gazelle. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. 100%. And and these companies too are like a lot of the companies we sell are it's, it's all human grade meat, but it's even Mm -hmm. more than that. It's, it's, you know, a lot of them come from regenerative farms that are, you know, just raising these animals, handling yeah. them. They're not using, you know, antibiotics and hormones. Um, they're pasture raised, which is yeah. incredibly important. Well, that's they're why not... sourcing is so sourcing is so important to me. Let's talk um, about that. Let's yes. Talk about sourcing. Um, like I said, I get the question a lot. Like, where the hell do you get all of this stuff? Yeah. Um, all of my beef, pork, chicken, and rabbit, and the quails. Um, those all come from farms right around me. I'm really, really lucky to live in a kind of rural, you know, generational farm area. Tons of beef, tons of pork, tons yeah. of goat and lamb and chicken. Um, it's really, really important to me to know that these animals are being raised in a happy environment because that's me. I'm an animal lover. You know, it. I don't exactly sit there and enjoy cutting up rabbits. Sure. You know what I mean? And but I, you also get to utilize we the absolute thing that drives me nuts is wasting it wasting it you know and our dogs yeah. literally thrive off of this stuff mm-hmm. and um that's what we we haven't talked about that yet but that's a really cool aspect of all of this like we you'll probably get to it like the beaver yeah. claws are one of those things you know yeah the, the the beaver feet the 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 beef ears before we were ordering this stuff from our processor they just go in the dump they're yep. non-human grade in the aspect that you know they can't sell hairy 
non-meaty parts for humans. But all of the duck that I get is human grade. I actually get it from like a certified humane pasture raised restaurant chain. Um, the fish that I get is all human grade. Um, all of the meat for the jerkies is human grade, like U.S. raised. Everything is U.S. raised. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the ostrich, no, it's just the camel that comes from Australia. Australia. But yeah. everything, even my exotics, are USDA and certified then, humane free range. There, It's a, like a population issue over there, mm-hmm. right? And so they had yeah. to, they are as free range as it gets, but... They, um, yeah. They're taking over, I think, what, the northern well, they, part of what, Australia. They so. introduced them into Australia as, like, an experiment, and it went really, really wrong. <laughs> so good. they're like, well, okay, we need to. Yeah. They're kind of like the Mustangs over there. They're just trying to control the population because they breed, and it's, they're thriving. Yeah. But, yeah, all of all of the duck, it's, it's really important to me that I know they're coming from good places. The sources are vetted. I'm getting them as close as possible. But also I need pretty big quantities, so sometimes a local chicken farm just can't meet what I need. Um, but all of the beef comes from farms that are within a stone throw of my house. I've talked to the That's farmers. Really cool. I said, hey, okay, what day are you bringing your cows down to be processed? You're bringing 50 head. Okay, thanks. I'll pick up this day. You know, and it is hard because sometimes I go and I drive around to the back of my butcher. And this is, again, a family meat processor generational farm. Mm-hmm. And the ears are still warm. I'm still getting, like, really, yeah. really fresh parts. And they still have the tags on them. And it's really important to me to actually kind of absorb the humanity of that. I try to be really respectful. I don't just, like, slap things. I waste the absolute least possible. Probably gives you just a completely different perspective on that. It is. That most people don't see or or feel. Yeah. Um, And I'm a firm believer of, like, you know, you can go to McDonald's, pay a dollar, and eat, what, four or five different animals worth of meat on a $1 cheeseburger. Right. And you didn't even have to think about that at at any point. That was a life, right? And that's why I was a vegetarian for a long time because I'm like, we don't even think about it. It's just blind consumerism. So um, for me, it's it's a lot of creating conscious consumers. Think about where the meat's coming from. Think about how it's raised. You would like to know that the animals that you're consuming were at least treated humanely. They were given a chance to free range and act like chickens and and be happy. Their last day sucked, but. Yeah. Up until that point, they're living better lives than most. And with these small processes, you're not getting giant trailers and and semis full of animals being shoved through a massive plant. It's it's a building in the country. Small farmers bring like a horse trailer full of cattle and they drop them off. It's not stressful. They have green pastures out back. Um, The end the end of it is what it is. Right. But that's something that we have to kind of accept if we want to be in this industry. And I want to know that I can control as much of it as I can and feel good about it, right? And I want to feel, I want my customers to feel good about what they're feeding their dogs. Yeah. Um, and that's really, really big for me. It's something that I had a hard time starting with kind of the body parts because they, I was like, gosh, it's kind of sad. Yeah, you said no heads. Um, I said no heads, no faces. No faces. Was Here I am. Thing. That's right, no faces. I stuck to the no penises uh, yeah. agreement, but. <laughs> yeah, well, we sell those. If one more person asked me for a bully stick. It's. <laughs> It's interesting when people come in and they are going through the the stack of bully sticks looking for the biggest one. Um, If only they knew what they were doing. (laughs) But I guess kind of in retrospect, I'm very careful about that. I'm very big on sourcing locally, supporting my local community, my local farms to begin with, because when I buy all these ears, then that's a little bit more money in their pockets. And when these farmers, it's not a glamorous job, right? They're not getting rich off of these farms. 
um, it's just a little bit more money in their pocket. I feel like I'm yeah. adding to the local economy and that's big for me. Yeah. Adding to the, to the local economy and also utilizing, um, parts that would otherwise be wasted, you know? Yeah. Awesome. I mean, you go to a pet store, you go to buy a beef trachea, look where it comes from. A lot yeah. of these are coming from South America, mm-hmm. um, random places, Asia. And, um, not that that's wrong. You know, there's great meat everywhere, but you have less control over it. Right. Um, and you never know what it's it, been through from here to there. Oh, yeah. And just think about all the wasted parts that we're not yeah. utilizing here in the States alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get the good cuts off of it, and then the rest of the animal goes in the trash can. Yeah. And that is like you 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 took a life to take two breasts and a thigh from it. You know what I mean? And there's so many other good parts that have so much nutrition, the brains, the eyes. I'm not there yet. Even the, tra- the tracheas, <laughs> you're talking about the tracheas, tracheas. like what, 400 grams of glucosamine and like one and of And a human puppies. has, like, n- there's nothing in that really that humans are going to do anything no. with. But it's it's basically glucosamine and chondroitin in a tube. Yeah. It's it's absolutely one of the best. crazy for them. Go crazy for it. And the tendons, like what is a human going to eat a tendon for? They're, mm-hmm. they're gummy and hard, right? Right. But our dogs Bone chew bro. on that, it scrubs. Yeah, you could do that. Um even then, though, you get so much waste because you're still throwing away most of it. You take some yeah. of the good stuff out. Um, and that's really big for me, especially with rabbit, you know, and all of that fur thrown away. When I first started asking about that, they're like, I don't know, you, you really want it? And I was yeah. like, yeah, just start saving them for me. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's a little bit more dignity into that. You know, there's we get a lot of customers talking. Uh, we get a lot of people like, Why, what's, what's with the fur? Like, can they, they can't eat this, right? I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. no, like, actually – a lot of dogs are deficient in, in manganese, which is, and this is yeah. a great source of manganese for dogs. Um, I add it pretty routinely to my dog's diet. Karen Becker was the first one that sparked my thought train on that several years ago. And it was just like, you know, every single day I go on Medina Moms Discuss It or something. And it's, oh, my dog tore her ACL. My dog. Oh, yeah ruptured her ccl and needs to have surgery and then of course the vets are saying well you blow one you're gonna blow the other okay why is that yeah i mean what humans are just running around tearing acls it's Mm -hmm. not it's the people that are doing athletic events and stuff like that so why are dogs just blowing their ccls and of course there's genetic components there's um structural components you know a lot of spaden uh early spade neutered dogs get those kind of posty long legs and their knees are rubbing in different ways but a lot of it is they're finding these dogs deficient in this manganese, which is considered a trace or an un, a non-essential uh, mineral. And you can only really find it in feathers, fur, um, and a, a handful of other things. But the absolute best source is that feathers and fur. So, you know, when people think of their dog eating a rabbit foot, they think of their dog eating a stuffed animal. You know, and of course, yeah. you don't want them to eat the fluff because it's going to clog them up. And I'm like, yeah. it's actually really i don't want to say it's digestible because most of it's going out the other end but it is digestible to a point they're absorbing minerals out of it and it's scrubbing them out like a pipe cleaner yeah i was going to say like even the part they're not absorbing it's it cleans them out really well yeah Um, it has that kind of has two components to it that has to be probably one of the most common questions i get is they can eat fur oh yeah and they should likes it like he i remember if i give him a rabbit roll like he goes at that fur those are probably like the hottest thing because they're so strange. Yeah. They're just fluffy and kind of gross and yeah. 
messy and dogs go absolutely ape ape shit over. You know what I hear all the time about the the rabbit feet Mm. is the dog or sometimes a cat, but the dog will carry it around for days. Days. And then finally- Bury them, play with them. And then finally they'll eat them. And it's always- like once they real that once they feel that crunch, mm-hmm. like oh, there's oh. bone in there. Oh, they think it's like a toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's... they feel that crunch, and it's game over. Yeah. So I'll, sometimes at the shop, like I'll break one, and the dog's like, oh shit. Oh. That's why I always do I the sniff test with the rabbit feet. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, I don't think that my dog's gonna be at it, and it's like a beagle. And I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you'd be surprised. And I let yeah. them sniff it, and the dog's like pupils blown. The dog's uh-huh. like on the table, and I'm right. like, just let them give them the chance to right. figure out that they're carnivores. And it's downhill from, or I should, up, uphill, from, uphill there. from there. But the next thing you know, they're coming to my website and buying like 15 rabbit feet yeah. and a rabbit roll and yeah. rabbit heads because their dog all of a sudden realized that they have these senses. I mean, it's yeah. like their rabbit feet stink, right? right? I don't wash them. I don't wash any of the rabbit. And I do that on purpose because that smell is part of the exciting part of it, right? We're stimulating yeah. the um, mental, you know, impulses of your dog that they forgot they had. Yeah. What's the last time that you gave your dog scent enrichment unless you're doing barn hunt or some kind right. of scent training? Not very often. Yeah, scent is is really interesting part of diet too. But um, we, um, I was just watching a video about how dogs smell. They essentially smell in like 3D and they can tell which direction things are moving just through like scent. It's and like a massive part of their brain and their existence. As I forget species. how many times it's like 800 times, not 800 times, but it's on a, on a um, proportionate to our brains. Oh, their yeah. olfactory is, is huge. It's yeah. It's hundreds of times yeah. more. Yeah. And that whole long nose is just like s- yeah. with those sense receptors. They have like two, like, yeah, their noses go two different directions, like to breathe in air, but also another one just to like take in the molecules. I haven't gone that deep yeah. on it, but I know yeah. it's hardcore. <laughs> it's cool. And so I always think about, when I think about this when I'm taking Mozzie for a walk, like just let them smell stuff. Mm-hmm. I see this all the time. People like yanking their dog, like once they've had their What nose do they call it? Out. A sniffari? A sniffari. Yeah, I like that. Just let, let your follow. Let your dog take you where they want to go. Smell this, uh-huh. smell that, pee on that, yeah. go over, chew on that tree lick yeah. that and now, licking taste is a big part of scent yeah also. they do that mozzie does that kind of gross but it I is kind of gross it. it's all the boy dogs yeah i don't want to talk about it but we have a couple of bloodhounds and i'm sure they're like okay yeah if i did this i'd probably still be out walking right now you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah so i mean it's it you know but i'm just saying like give them give them some chances to beagles especially i like to touch on because they are cute they're fluffy they're pretty small um, you don't always see the ones that are like crazy, barky hunting dogs, right? Um, but they are like hunting masterminds. Their brains are like yeah. completely work-driven, no matter how much yeah. we breed that out. And they're tracking dogs, right? Um, same with even doodles. You get that poodle oh, yeah. in there, the Labrador in there. Um, they're working dogs. We've got a couple of Afghans that are Savages. Even Italian greyhounds. Yeah. Those are savages. The, the greyhounds are savages too. Like yeah. they love all that dead stuff. Yeah. Um, I remember, shout out to Zucchini the Iggy. I gave, she oh, came yeah. over in her cute yeah. little uh-huh. pink bandana and they were like looking at my stuff. They're like, what the heck is this? And I was like, just try like a rabbit foot. So they bought, bought a rabbit foot, let her taste it. She took it and they could not get it back from her. She yeah. was she was she was gonna eat it right there. She's borderline and feral. I love that dog. I love that. She's, she's, she's awesome. sitting there. She's yeah. ripping the fur off with her teeth. Her uh-huh. bandana like fell over her face. I have yeah. the funniest video of it. And I was like, this 
yeah. is why we underestimate it. It doesn't yeah. look like a wolf. It's this little noodle dog, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Little and little. that little noodle dog hat is just a carnivore. She's got these she's... tiny little meat ripping teeth. Yeah. Right? Yeah, she's cool. She eats, uh, they do a little raw now or lightly cooked, small batch. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and even like it's I cool. said, if you're just adding in those treats and stuff. But yeah, I tell a lot of people with the rabbit feet um, and the kind of smelly stuff, wrap it in a towel, throw it out in the yard. Um, I have some people that use them as like scent training with their dogs. They'll hide it in somewhere in the house or they'll stuff it in a toy. And just the scent alone, it doesn't have to be peanut butter, right? That you're using to get your dog to chew on something and work for something. Yeah. They'll work for the peanut scent. Peanut butter thing, yeah. Now that's yeah. I get it. My dog likes peanut butter too, but she likes rabbit feet a lot more. Yeah, gotten a little bit off topic. No, here. <laughs> we actually didn't. We talked about a lot of stuff I wanted to talk about. Um, chew sessions and yeah, best chews for different dogs. But again, I think that's you know just knowing your dog. Um, you know, I think you know for puppies, I think larger bones are great for them. Just to mm-hmm. make sure they can learn how to do it without like trying to inhale it. Well, and so I like long. the I like the knuckle bones for that also because oh, yeah. with puppies the big thing is like don't feed them things that are harder than their teeth. Um, and again, yeah, sure mm-hmm. they could break a tooth; it's going to fall out anyway. Yeah. But you know, you got to be careful with puppies. I like the knuckle bones because they're mostly soft tissue on the yeah. outside until and you get like into the, the core angles core of it. You have to work at like yeah. it's just so hard for them to clamp down. Mm-hmm. You know? And you can feed them raw, so they're hard to begin with, especially yeah. teething puppies. You know, what do you give teething babies? frozen treats Mm -hmm. um so give them a frozen knuckle bone put them in a tile room somewhere like check back in a while they'll be fine they'll have hardly made any progress on it yeah frozen duck necks oh yeah another good one even if you want to um the the dehydrated duck wings that you have i like Mm -hmm. to hold on to one side and just let i'll just stand there and talk to the pet parents and let the puppy chew on it you know i tried to do that Um, they'll bit the crap out of my hand so (laughs) yeah so that you know I will say that, you know, puppies will start developing their jaw muscles around six months of age. So I actually like to get them to learn how to chew on stuff before they develop those jaw muscles mm-hmm. because I worry about if you don't if you don't expose it to expose these these chews to them as puppies when they're adults, they're just gonna want to inhale it. They're not gonna yeah. know how. They're gonna be extremely, yeah. you know, strong jawed and clamp clamp swallow. And you know, dogs are made to do that. Like let's not, you know, sugarcoat it. They're, you know, built to catch, grab, yeah. maybe chew once and swallow a big bolus of food. So it's, it's you know, but just for choking reasons. And as, like I said, I'll, I'll go back to kind of summarize on the know your chewing style. Um, if you have a dog that wants to eat things whole, don't buy duck feet, okay? Yeah. Because then you're kind of taking that risk. There is a risk with anything. Dogs can choke on a kibble, yep. right? You know what I mean? Know your dog's style. Start with something bigger. Give it to them. Take it away. Give it to them. Take it away. If it gets too small, that's done. You're done. Yep, take it awesome. away. Um, but my dog is very meticulous. I'll give her a chew and and always kind of at least be in, check on her every now and then. And I can feel pretty confident about that. So just know your dog. Um, if your dog has had kibble and has only eaten milk bones its whole life, maybe don't feed a turkey wing as your first <laughs> Treat, maybe don't go straight to the feathered quail because yeah. your dog's going to be real blocked up. Yeah. Um, and they're not really sure how to crunch all those bones. They might take a gulp that's bigger than they should. Um, kind of start small. If yeah. you have a dog that's used to that, you know they're pretty hardy. Just take it, do a variety. Yeah. You're fine. You'll see how they react with that. 
Good um, point. It's a good point. You can start small. Start small. Start slow with with kibble fed dogs, especially or dogs that just haven't been exposed to. Yeah, it. and they don't have as strong of enzymes. Their acids not as their pH is way higher. And yeah, um, yeah. Versus like completely raw fed dogs, they're going to eat something. It's going to hit their stomach and it's yep. obliterated. Yeah. Right. So yep. you do have to kind of start small. Know your dog. Know where you're at in that transition or not in the transition at all. But that doesn't mean that a strictly kibble fed dog can't eat things like this. Just Arguably, start with this. They should. Be, they should. You, you should be if that's the stuff, only fresh yeah. food that your dog is getting, do it. If that's yep. the only meaty nutrition that your dog is getting, do it. It's going to be good for them. It's going to be good for their teeth, um, their mental, you know, stimulation. Um, just maybe start with like a duck foot, something that's softer. Yeah, the duck feet, the duck wings are, are usually really good starters for them. Or like I've the never, rabbit ears whenever I have. Rabbit ears, yeah. I've never seen a dog have issues digesting one of those three things, really. I mean, I'm sure it happens, but... They're so... The, the bones and the duck so feet are bone. so tiny. Yeah. It's mostly skin but and But even cartilage. just the bone, just adding that, like... Usually if I give something, mozzie something like this, like a duck neck, for example. Yeah. His stools are like these white or yellow powder stools. And that's you know how they're that's how right. they're designed to handle with it, right? They poop out all that extra calcium, no biggie. That's why he does it. He's never had any anal gland issues ever in his life, you know, because oh, he's yeah. getting these hard, compact stools. And that's another road I could go Love down. I could have a stools. conversation about poop. I could have a whole podcast episode on yeah. poop. Let's do it. Um, I, we'll saw, do I saw something on Instagram yesterday that was like, if you're not silently judging other dogs' poop, are you even a raw feeder? And I said, no, oh, honestly. Man, that is so true. <laughs> I walk by like power. I'm like, oh, that dog's eating kibble for sure. Oh, yeah. Like well, you can usually yellowy, smell it before you even get to it. Yeah. Yellowy, just mud. Cow looks pies. like that little poop emoji. Yeah. Yeah. Poop should not look like that. No. No, especially not carnivore poop. It should be little, tiny little crumbly turds. Yeah. I think I've said this now on every single podcast, but dogs aren't supposed to be gross. No. You know. <laughs> so. That's, that's yeah, that's a conversation that. on its own. Well, is there anything else? Don't be scared by it. Um, it looks freaky. Just try it. Let your dog pick out something. Let your dog's instinct pick something off the table. You know what I mean? And especially it's awesome at your shop. You have that giant table. Let your dog go around. Yeah, jump it's an, up. It's an a la carte. I mean, just let them take what they want. Yeah. Hopefully they won't grab the most expensive thing. <laughs> but I won't be mad right. about that. You know, but... If they're really telling you that they want the, that rabbit, why does your dog really want that rabbit? Think about it. Mm -hmm. Get it for them. Let them, you know, figure out what it is. Maybe they need some mental stimulation in their life. Yeah. Um, there's so much variety. I'm always doing weird things. I always have seasonal additions. I always randomly get boxes of... Ostrich claws. Yeah, I have bison tongue in my freezer for oh, whenever I get nice. it. Yeah. yeah, and so um, it's always... I try to keep it fresh, try to keep it exciting. Um my weird little meat shop that I yeah i feel like once you're around that much meat too like i know we we started buying meat from uh force of nature which is like a regenerative ranch i saw that in your story the elk and stuff like that mm -hmm. oh yeah venison yeah yeah it's and it's really good but they have like some ancestral blends that have like five percent liver and five percent heart and stuff can do it i'm not i'm not quite there yet. i actually kind of lost my interest in meat for a while i was like I, this is tough like yeah yeah well, it's kind of funny on that. Um, so Mozzie's getting some really awesome grass-fed bison. <laughs> some really expensive. Yeah. Well, you know, I order exotic meat from this um, farm and this supplier out kind of in the middle of the country that raises ostrich, venison, elk, um, in a farm, in a pasture-raised situation. And we bought ground elk for ourselves yeah. in the same order as my tongues and 
knuckle bones and you know it just makes you feel good like it like not it only does so not, yeah not only does the food make you feel good and it tastes good but also just like from a mental standpoint like it makes you feel good that these animals were actually like living their lives like they're supposed to yeah um it's good for the earth it's good for as the much animals, as the, the uh, pet food marketers would like you to think that the meat going into your kibble is grass-fed it is certainly not no. the picture on the front of the bison grazing in a plane is not what you're getting I, you know what drives me nuts? Sorry, I know we're going on and on, but the the ones where they put a wolf in the front of the bag, but then tell you tell you your dog's not a wolf. It's like I won't we'll call pick, anyone we'll out, pick one. It's why I don't go down there. Ancestral the food. I'm like, there's nothing about this that's ancestral. No. A wolf certainly is not eating potato starch. You know, powdered cellulose and synthetic amino acids. Drives me nuts. Well, so much to okay. unpack today. Thank I'm, you so yeah. much for being here. Yeah, I could so talk fun. forever on it. You have to come down again. Um, so why don't you tell everyone how they can find you if they're not in Columbus? Um, I'm really big on Instagram. I'm a very visual person. I like to share a lot of cool quotes from these books that I'm reading from professionals that I admire. Um, and I like to kind of give easy, non-intimidating advice, some nutrition, five top you know, raw food brands that I like, five kinds of protein. And I try to do that. So Instagram at Girls Gone Raw Pet Health. Uh, Facebook is the same. I don't put as much energy into that, but you can find me on there as well. And then my website is just girlsgonerawpet.com. Um, not Girls Gone Wild. Not Girls Gone Wild. It's like Girls Gone Wild, but raw, like raw meat. Website. The amount of times that I have to explain that <laughs> to people over the phone. Still body parts, but different. Yeah. Just different parts. <laughs> different kind of parts. Um, I, that's what's funny. I rate everything like G-rated to R-rated, <laughs> like the beavers in the back. That's the R-rated yeah, bin. That's the R-rated Um <laughs> But stayed on theme. Yeah, Girls nice. Gone Raw. Um, if you catch me at a market, I'll be the one in pink with the pink. I'm not sure when I became Tied this iron. pink monster, but my whole thing is pink. So. Yeah, the website and uh, oh yeah, Instagram t-shirts. My whole tent, tent. My yeah. Yeah, everything. Kind of the one last note that I wanted to make to people. Um, I have a lot of conversations with people, and a lot of them are kibble feeders and. Maybe they've lost pets in the past to things that they're now, as they're getting educated, are learning that they could have made a difference in their pets' lives had they known more about this. I want to go back to that. When pet owners know better, they'll only do better. Um, don't feel ashamed, you know, that you didn't know this. Don't feel embarrassed that you could have done better. Don't get stuck in the regret of that, right? Just do as best as you can now. Um, you can only go upward from here. You can heal tendon injuries with, you know, by feeding tendons or by feeding raw foods and things like that. You can heal gut issues. You can heal allergies from the inside out with probiotics. Um, just kind of go upward. See what we can do. Add goat milk. Add bone broth. Add in some body parts. It's not your fault for not knowing these things. I like to blame the industry for deceiving you, the vets for not giving you accurate information, from withholding this potentially healing information from you. Um, and that's not to say that I'm, you know, blaming the veterinary industry as a whole. It even There's goes a deeper lot. than that, right? It even goes to, back to their education. A lot of yeah. times I kind of get mad. I mean, I, I it's think- It's Hills that's teaching these vets. Yeah. If these vets had been educated by a non-biased, nutritional source that was covering all different kinds of food would they still be selling hills probably not um, i would say i got um, a good sign of uh, this this isn't an ink indicator of things turning around but something that kind of made me feel really good is we actually had an instructor from columbus state reach out mm. and wants me to come talk to her 
veterinarian students. I was well, like, because wow, just and she said just to offer and more a, customers. a a difference of opinions on things. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. good for you. I told her in an email. I wrote a really nice lengthy email, like telling her how. Thank you for being open yeah, to it. Right. Um, and even if it's not raw, cover just more fresh diets, more appropriately balanced diets. You know, with moisture. It doesn't have to be raw. The word raw, like I said, scares people. Um, just something that's not ultra-processed brown nuggets. If we can kind of break people of that and introduce other options, um, that would just be so great. I'm just so sick of seeing cats with urinary tract disease being put on urinary kibble. The last yeah. thing your cat needs is more dehydration. So, Well, they put more sodium in there so that they drink more water. Yes. Does that make sense, right? Yeah. So it's, you know... There is there is a way to turn it around. Just add, do what you can. Even if it's just some fruits and vegetables on top of your dog's food, you're doing great. Yep. And is uh, it twenty percent? We're proud. So of you. Is that what the dog risk? Ten, study 10 said? to twenty percent. Twenty percent showed like definite turnaround, definite reduced you know disease markers and inflammation markers yep. in the dogs. So that's why I always tell people add some water, some bone broth, some Goat the milk. the cuttings off of your chicken that yep. you're cutting for dinner. You know what I mean? It's there's really small, really easy, free things that you can add in. Yep. Or even letting your dog graze in your garden. Let and your dog you, munch a couple tomatoes. Yeah. And if you eat if you do eat meat, I think that's the thing that you supplement with. I see this a lot and I know we're trying to end this po- this podcast, but I see a lot of people want to supplement with like fruits and vegetables and they're on a kibble diet. And I and I I, I think it's awesome that you want to add some some real food. Um but I would say supplement with some actual like more species appropriate foods. Some of your some of girls gone raw stuff or some of just like some meat that you that you're also eating. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need more carbohydrates, you know. No. So sweet potatoes and stuff like that. They don't need. Don't, yeah. don't add that. Yeah. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly professional team and offer conventional as well as integrative medical options like acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine stem cell therapy and PRP, and more. Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, and Facebook to learn more about us. To tie um, all this together, we actually, instead of a customer's question this week, we want to celebrate three customers that have come in um, over the past two weeks, three different breeds, Riesling, Filson, and Peanut, um, they had GI, skin issues, chronic ear issues. Um, Jordan has walked them through and um, transitioned them all fully to raw. So within two weeks, Heck they yeah. all reported um, that their dogs are thriving now, more energy, just complete a completely different dog. So um, I think that's amazing. I'm sure that— we also, We've had a couple dogs recently with IBD. Actually, I'm going to tell a really quick story. We've had we had a couple dogs with IBD and um, haven't had any episodes in over six months. They went back to the vet. This is one of them. Went back to the vet and the vet said, "Well, this is great. Your dogs and their their levels, like, everything looks really good. Like, what have you been doing?" And she's like, "Oh, we switched to uh, I think it was Steve's. We uh, switched to Steve's Real Food." Uh, she's like, "Oh, like what's that?" She's like, "Oh, it's raw food." And the vet flipped out, like flipped out. And it was like, even though the vet was smacked in the face with with the evidence right in mm-hmm. front of her, she said she flipped out and said not to do it. And so, of course, this lady called me and was like, hey, 
my vet said that this is has all these pathogens. It could have this and this, and it's not you know complete and all this other yeah bullshit. And um, so you know we talked for like a good thirty minutes over the phone about it. And she was completely you know relieved and understood. The process, it's a hard but, one because you want to trust your vets, but at yeah. the same time, that the, the, the information is just so ass backwards sometimes. I mean, you have a dog that's completely actually she has she's got two dogs and they completely healed, like they're completely different dogs. And the vet was even with not only you know the the blood results, but also just like the the evidence, the physical. Mm -hmm. The proof is in the pudding. And um, she just still, you know, it's like. What does it take? And they'd you know? rather your dog be on Apoquil three times a day for the rest yeah. of his life than yeah. I guess try something I, else. I took money from that vet, I guess, is one way why they were frustrated. I don't know. Mm. Um, That's why we do it, though. That's why we do what we do. We love to see pets heal. We love to see, you know, these conditions reverse. We love to see them get off of chronic drug use and things like that and kind of get onto a more holistic path. Um, yeah. Because, I, you know, a healed dog is a healthy dog is a happy dog. And yep. that's all we want in the end is our dogs to be happy, right? That's right. So if you have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com. Or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpets. The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.